Welcome to Alchemy Answers episode 18. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we're excited to be back with another Q&A podcast. Um, we are looking forward to taking as many questions as we can over the next hour or so. And if you miss the stream, be sure to check it out. You're in podcast form through our Anchor FM or on YouTube, which it will be pretty much immediately afterwards available for everyone to watch so with that being said fire away important note important note uh obviously the stream is now public for anybody who's watching uh live uh, so we are doing the replay review sessions every thursday live and we're doing uh, alchemy answers live as well uh just for a number of different reasons but to obviously benefit the people who want to go the extra mile and support us on patreon we will take questions from Patreon supporters first uh, and then replays from Patreon supporters first as well. Um, but with that being said, it's a small percentage of people that show up to the stream, a small percentage that, of course, support on Patreon. So it's like you'll, you can still get your replays reviewed and, and, and stuff like that. It's just that if you want if you want the guarantee, you know, it sounds like I'm selling myself right now. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying we're, we're changing the format. That's all. Uh, that's all I'm saying. So, Joe Neff. Uh, all right, all right, dude. So, let's look at this. All right, so Jorge asks, I've been struggling with a double roaming comp. Okay, any advice people for as alone and my team aren't rotating much at the moment? What role are you playing, Jorge? Are you carry? Are you playing mid? Are you playing offlane? And regardless of what your answer is, should be... If if this is happening regularly, you should be expecting it. Okay, so mid only. Um, well, okay. There are certain heroes that have been picked in perpetuity, pretty much when there are strong roam, and those are heroes that tend to be very self sufficient by themselves in lane. They also tend to be heroes that have innate regen or ways to sustain themselves in lane. Um, a very good example of that is Dragon Knight. Dragonite is one of the most popular heroes in competitive simply because he can't really be roamed on or he costs too much to be roamed on to really make it that worthwhile. So if you're picking heroes like Shadowfiend and Zeus in a roaming meta, you're basically just asking to get fed on by the other. Yep. Um, I think a, another adequate solution is to pick a hero that can quickly push the lane and then go jungle. Because one of the harder things about roaming to the mid lane right now, and it's only hard if you actually implement it in your games, is just the fact that it's so efficient to push out the lane and go farm the nearby medium camp that is there. And uh, honestly, the rest of the jungle, just because with, with you know the jungle giving more gold in 7.20 and the jungle camps... Um, being in a way that you can hit multiple at once, like let's say with Medusa or something like that, uh, it's very efficient to just push the lane out and go jungle. So if you are playing a Shadow Fiend or a Zeus and you're against two roamers, the only problem that you're going to have is the problems that you've created by staying in that lane. Zeus, maybe not so much because, I mean, that hero, there's kind of a reason it's not picked. 
it's not it's not just this, but you know, it's it's very hard to push the lane and then go jungle with Zeus because it costs so much mana. Any hero who is basically stuck in the lane and is going to just be sitting there and lane dominating, um, if they're if if you're able to be roamed on, then of course roamers are gonna like completely destroy you. But if, if you're a lane dominator like Shadow Fiend, for example, and you sit in the lane against roamers, you're gonna get dominated. But you can still play Shadow Fiend in a game where there's roamers and not get dominated and still dominate because you can dominate the lane in the time that, that you're there. But when you feel unsafe, push the lane out and go jungle. Like you just need to make sure that you are playing the correct way against, against these roaming heroes, as well as picking the right heroes. You know what I mean? Like same thing goes for Tinker, very easy to roam on, but also very hard to roam on. If you look at it from a different angle or like he can just march out the wave and then go jungle. And how do you roam on somebody who's not there? You, you, you can't, you have to go into the jungle, which is a much more dangerous and, well thought out play that the enemy team has to make so basically what i'm saying is uh th there are ways that you can play against roamers and, and really the main way is just that pushing the wave and, and abusing the jungle and if, if they are roaming on you and you're not there well then you're, you're going to win the game and get more farm because they're wasting their time and you're getting more farm because you're getting the lane farm and the jungle farm as well yep all right next question by zebes who asks i'm a bit late but I've been having a lot of problems dealing with Grimstroke as a 4-5. What would you recommend specifically help deal with him? It's like uh, the, the, that, that hero is honestly kind of like um, tapered off, I guess. Like people are not giving it as much respect as it, as it once had when it was first added to the game. Like he's actually not that strong of a laner. It's just a relatively strong kill hero. But if you there are numerous ways of dealing with him like basically if you have some hero that is not going to allow him to get close and so basically the way grimstroke wins the lane is like you pick a fighting lane they pick grimstroke you fight into the grimstroke the grimstroke wins because you're fighting them so like the the way to beat that is to pick a lane that doesn't care for fighting um so for instance like let's say you pick um some bane plus i don't know some some really hard to kill carry also, that's bane like Marana might be pretty good yeah bane 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 is a good example weaver um i mean even troll to some degree because he just has like the slow methodical harass and he can go ranged for him and you know if your support pulls it's like troll doesn't have to fight like you can just not fight it and then grimstroke's going to be dumpstered uh but the reason that grimstroke is not considered to be like the best four roll anymore uh is because if you just pick a stronger fighting lane than the grimstroke lane the Grimstroke has the only option available is to basically fight you. So if you pick like a Jug Lich against a Grimstroke, you will destroy the Grimstroke because like he can't kill you. And then you can also kill him and he'll feed because he's just like a squishy lion Rubik type support. Uh, so basically like you need to pick a stronger fighting lane than Grimstroke if you want to fight into it. Uh, or you you pick a, a, a lane that just doesn't fight at all and, and just doesn't care about the Grimstroke skill potential. And then he'll probably leave. But the thing is, if you're forcing your Grimstroke to leave the lane because you're doing either of these things, he can't roam. Like, he's not good at roaming mid. He's not good at, like, roaming between lanes and stuff like that. Like, he's not some Earth Spirit that can get right on top of you or a Tusk that can snowball. Like, he, it's, it's a lot harder for him to roam. So you can really punish this hero by just not playing into the style of dota that he likes or doing it so much better that he has to leave and he's just feeding then you'll actually just win games against grimstroke because that's a huge limitation of the heroes that it can't roam okay cool next question by uh god gave me style is what what do you do when you crush safely and take early on at six where do you go as a carry at that point there's a there's a few options available to you um 
it just depends on what you're comfortable allowing the enemy team to have. So uh, the worst option is to like try to play around the enemy tier two. That's a really good way to die. That's a really good way to give farm to the to the uh, offlaner, uh, safe farm to the offlaner. Basically, your play is either you pull the lane back and just lane normally as if the tower is there, and then you continue on with your game from like the points at which you would if the tower was there, or you can roam to mid lane or to the the off lane and you can get that tower as well the only issue with that is uh if you leave you're giving the off laner some free farm so even if you get the early tower sometimes it's better to just like pull the lane back using the hard camp or the easy camp and then um you know uh essentially sit there for like two to three minutes maybe a little bit less acting as if there's a regular landing stage where you didn't get that tower because it's still the same situation in fact it's it's worse for the off laner like it's there's nobody that can TP in to save him because there's no tower there. So it's, it's very important that in that moment where you take the tower, you don't just you can push one wave, but then you want to pull the lane back or you just want to leave. It's 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 one or the other. It's 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 not both. What you could also do is you could like, you know, leave and then have a support pull the lane back, and then the support farms there, and then it's even it's even unsafe for the offlaner to farm against the support because they're so far up. So like you could actually get a lot off the map by doing that. And you could go jungle, for example, like let the support take the lane and then you pull it back. And then you go jungle, and then maybe two to three minutes later, when you would normally make a rotation, make the rotation. Because sometimes it's a little too early. Like, are you going to rotate on a level five jug to the to the off lane? No, nah, you want Omni Slash before you roam. So it's like you got to farm, but what do you do to farm that? You don't want to sit by the tier two, basically. Yeah, I was just going to add that. Basically, it's sort of like a flow chart. The first question would be. Can I go immediately push another objective? If the answer is yes, like let's say you're a visage with a super early dominator or something like that, and you have birds up, then maybe you can just immediately go to the main lane and take the tier one there as well for the safe lane. Um, or are you a, a gyro with an IO pairing that can immediately just go to off lane and make that kind of like classic C deck rotation and take over their safe lane tower as well? Um, but if the answer is no, then you ask yourself, okay, well, do we have a greedy support that needs farm, like a phoenix, perhaps, that could really benefit from being in the lane, or an earthshaker? Um, am I a hero that can jungle effectively? And then if those answers are no, then you probably go with the option that Jenkins was talking about, which is where you kind of like play the lane normally as if there was a tower there, but you feel probably a little bit more safe, and maybe you ask your support to ward that cliff so you can. I like the the visage example. You definitely like if you're if you're an early push hero, then you you definitely want to just push as early as you can. Obviously, it's like that's that's you know one of the one of the strengths of of picking some of these safe laners like Venge as well, uh, basically. Jorge asks Dendi plus Mushi to Tigers. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I I think I think that's I think that's fine. I think uh, Tigers. Tiger, he's playing mid, I presume, but I, I don't think Tigers had any issues with like individually skilled players for a long time. Like their last mid was the number one rank, I believe. Yeah, in, in Dream. Southeast Asia. Yeah, so it's like it, there's no problem with like individual skill, and uh, so maybe Dendi will bring some sort of um, competitive experience to them and uh, keep people chill and calm and stuff like that. But that, that to me seems more of like something. For Dendi, uh, like 
it's like you have a chance to get Dendi on your team, so you're going to take it. And then Dendi just like wants a good team, so he just picks like one of the best teams in Southeast Asia that's looking for a player. And it's it's Tigers, and yeah, like I said, I think I think what he's going to bring to the team is more what he brings as a teammate as opposed to as a player. He's a good player, obviously, but when you have in your dream, it's like you're you weren't losing games because you had low individual skill. That that was not why they were losing. Yeah. So and they had Audit for a carry who was insanely good. Um, yeah, he's he's also like top ten or something like that. So I think honestly, as far as like skill cap goes with the team, it goes down a bit. I think that in your dream and Ajit brought more in terms of ceiling. Like as like if they were able to get their mental game right, education right, that they could have been an incredibly good team because they had access to like the entire hero pool with depots and stuff like that from Ajit. Um, which I don't believe Mushi or Dendi plays really at that high of a level. Um that being said, competitive Dota is a lot more about communication and teamwork than about individual skill at this point. Um, I think taking a small hit to your ceiling to have a more stable performance probably a really good call, especially in a region like SEA, where it does kind of feel like any team of like the top five or top eight teams in go to a major at any given time this season. So yeah. I, I actually really like the move for everybody involved. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so too. I, I've always thought that like if you took a um a european team or a north american team and put them into sea and give them the individual skill of the southeast asian players that they would crush because sea is so like about just fighting and being balls to the wall that if you have if you have like a team in that environment that doesn't just get crushed by that and doesn't make like ridiculous decisions like fighting on the enemy side of the map 2v5 and shit like that then <laughs> they would they would do very well basically um I, like that's a huge problem with a lot of the sea teams is that they'll just they'll make like incredibly risky decisions and throw games yeah. so games in sea are really interesting but they're super throwy like that's something you'll very rarely see in na in na there's like dumb individual mistakes which is like bad plays and stuff but uh strategically like north america's really really almost stubborn about like executing the strategy that they want to do and not just fighting for no reason it's like no we're pushing this tower even if they get two racks yeah. like that <laughs> shit happens in north america and i i think i think strategically that's better um but as a result like north americans are worse at team fighting southeast asia is, they're very very skilled at, at team fighting because it's just what they do yep all right here's another good question it's actually two questions i'm going into one is there ever a reason to run Blink on Juggernaut, and is Jug the best carry? Yes, there's a reason to run Blink on Jug. Jug, you can Omni-Slash and then Blink, so like, you can Omni one person, kill them, Blink to somebody else, and basically spill the Omni farther than it would go. So like, you can literally just do more damage with Omni with Blink. And then also, if you're Jug versus some Sniper, or Drow, or OD, or Arc Warden, or any hero that is basically just going to fucking annihilate you if you don't get on top of them. Then the only way to get on top of them in a fight is a Blink Dagger. Shadow Blade is not enough, because good a good team will have sentries against you. Shadow Blade is for ganking. Blink is for the fight has started, there's a single target that you need to eliminate, and you you want to get right on top of them. That's what the Blink is for. Um, the only issue is Blink has no stats on it whatsoever, and Jug obviously as a carry wants stats so he can do more damage, because otherwise, like, you know, you spend 2,500 gold on some item that doesn't give you stats. 
2100 gold but in any case uh you spend a bunch of gold on, on an item it doesn't give you stats enemy team spends that money on stats you blink on them you omni them they don't die anyway because they have stats and you don't like that's a problem so generally that's why people will go blink on jug when they're ahead and generally people will be ahead on jug because he's a carry <laughs> so he's gonna be farming and he'll be ahead of the heroes that he wants to kill like he'll be capable of killing them so that's why blink on jug is good in my opinion Yep. And as far as Jug being the best carry in the meta, uh, I would say no. I think he's probably one of the most stable carries in the meta, and he's a, a carry that can either farm for the late game or play more of a tempo-controlling, pushing hero because of the sword need to fight early avoid a lot of magic damage in lanes. Um, I don't know. I, I would say that based on the major, if we look at the actual the, the major that's going on right now, the most popular carries, I believe, are like Jug, Medusa, and um, Terrorblade probably still, I think. I'm sure Terrorblade's always going to be good. Yeah, so... Okay, yeah, so Jug is the most popular one, but he has a 45% rate. Terrorblade is the second most popular one, 61% rate. Third most popular, Phantom Assassin, 47% win rate. And then uh, the next one is Medusa with a 55%. So to be perfectly honest, I still think that Terrorblade is the best carry in the game because he is a anti-carry to every other carry. Cannot fight a Terrorblade, and there is no other carry that takes buildings as fast as Terrorblade does. Um, and, you know, the thing about TB is that he's just consistently strong in the laning stage with meta. Strong in the early game with meta and reflection. Strong in the mid game with meta and reflection. Strong in the late game with just what Terrorblade does. So, not the best carry in the game. <laughs> uh, what is your What is your best advice for a player wanting to go three to four k MMR without having great mechanics? Um, I think there's like a certain set of heroes that you can pick where if you don't have great Number one, I, I think you should definitely work on mechanics. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not advocating just like saying fuck mechanics. But there are heroes. Like, I was going to make a video on best heroes to win with uh, lag because I'm at my mother-in-law's right now, and uh, you know, I'm enjoying it here. Love being around family and shit. It's great. However, the internet situation is very weak. Uh, just Arizona in general. Like, we're in Tucson, which is by Phoenix, and the internet's very bad here. It's like a hundred ping to US East, and uh, so as a result, I've been. The few games that I am playing, I have been picking heroes like uh, Spirit Breaker, like Skyrath Mage, where it's more so about like knowing where to go in the early game and then just letting your team <laughs> kind of carry you yeah. and uh, doing easy shit in the like with Skyrath or Spirit Breaker, you just go into a fight, use all your stuff, and you're done. You're good. Uh, at least in like the mid game, like that's enough for pubs. That's enough for winning pubs. Obviously, if we're talking competitive, you want you want everybody to do hundred percent. Of, of what their capability is but in any case in pubs that works and in the laning phase it's more so about like knowing where to be knowing the angles to go at like there aren't really there's no like pudge where you have to pudge hook and time things um so it's, it's not like a huge mechanical thing right playing heroes. i would say your best bet is to fucking avoid playing carry or, or, yeah. or mid if if you're if you're trying to just play, play without worrying about mechanics game. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's a that's a good example of a hero because you just go in, act like a piece of shit, and you're winning. Yeah. Like you just play play act. tide. Like t a lot of people think that tide is it's oh you have to have the perfect timing for your ravage. No, but I'm you not. literally just need to be like this giant body that people like. He just attracts people, and then you just 
press R, and even if you have like a thousand ping, you have one action that you have to pull off at like a five second window to for it to be useful. So yeah. Just play the play the heroes that can't die very easily by positioning mistakes and play heroes that require little to no mechanical skill. But are still fun. Good support to play in the Crusader bracket. Spirit Breaker, you're welcome. I just gained you 500 MMR. Yeah, legit. People cannot play against that hero in Immortal bracket. People just die everywhere on the map. Yep. There's just one point. You kill one guy, then charge somewhere else, kill another guy, kill another guy. Boom, you won the game. Yeah, and don't Easy. buy Midas. Buy a Spirit Vessel. And then go like Spirit Vessel, and then maybe go Blade Mail if you need it. Or you could go for... Uh, just even like an early BKB is is quite good on Spirit Breaker because he's just big, tanky, run around, you hit people in the face. I like to go Echo Saber because of the memes. Um, I mean, I'm sure you can just get five bracers, and that hero is yeah. going to be like ultra effective too. You can also just go five bracers. That's pretty pretty good. I mean, Vlad's Vlad's like the aura build, go the aura build. That seems pretty. And just Brief. always always buy a TP scroll. You charge from base, you hit somebody, you kill them, you TP back to base, refill your stuff, and then you charge out to another land. You just can do that for the entire game, pretty much. Yeah, that is true, but dragging and dropping items is like mechanical skills, so I don't know. Fuck that shit. Just, uh, just <laughs> charge. Just die, charge, die, charge, die, charge. You'll probably win. Yeah. It's uh, pretty, pretty easy. Is AM good this patch? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think uh, it's pretty clear from watching the Major that this hero is... Like, he was definitely strong near the start of the patch, and I think, uh, like, if the meta was different, he'd probably still be strong in his current iteration. But it looks like a lot of a lot of teams, at the very least, which, of course, this is going to dictate how pubs are picking, too, are picking really early-game-centric stuff. So it's either, like, these teams will out-carry an anti-mage with some, you know... Uh, I don't know, Medusa, uh, sorry, not Medusa, because Medusa actually gets yeah, countered. Here's like, some stats for you. I'll answer the question with some actual statistics. Okay, we've got 20, Medusa. 23% win rate. Yeah, exactly. 23% win rate at the major for anti-mage over 13 games. Meanwhile, Visage, 60% win rate. This is a hero that people really like picking in the safe lane. Um, and then Airblade, 60% win rate. So... Yes, anti-mage is bad. I think right like now. like just imagine just imagine a situation. I keep seeing this. This is like the number one situation that I see with the anti-mage. Somebody picks anti-mage, enemy team picks Beastmaster. No other picks matter. Because anti-mage doesn't do enough to ever contribute in the timing that a Beastmaster will push your entire base. Yeah. So it's like you, you, all of the other picks don't matter because BM will get so much in the lane and then anti-mage won't come online before beastmaster's taking two of his racks and it's like this beastmaster hero is like the most one of the most popular offlaners in this patch probably the best offlaner and uh you know you can't pick anti-mage against it and that's not even including the fact that people are picking like nature's mid people are picking medusa which by, gets countered by anti-mage but not if you go for an early game push lineup people are picking tiny people are picking huskar people are picking sven going flats people are picking visage safe lane people are picking pugna which also would get countered by anti-mage but the timing is better so it's like yep. either ant timing or he loses to the hero that's the problem it's like it's one or the other and, and both cases are very common in this patch yeah anti-mage has basically one play style and that is to take the game to like mid late and that's about it and that's just not a good way to win dota currently Anyway, anyway, all right. Heather, Heather Shadelight asks, "What are your thoughts on Rubik mid? I've been having a blast spamming him on my first Battle Cup three days ago with him as well. 
And my first response would be, if you're having a blast with playing Rubik Mid, then continue to do so, because if you're having fun playing Dota, you're probably playing better than you would otherwise. Um, as far as Rubik Mid in a meta sense and in a like quality of hero sense, I think that we covered this maybe in a different Q&A section at some, at some point, but basically what it came down to is that currently the mid lane is a role that is sort of without purpose to some extent. Um, and when I say that, I mean that it doesn't have like a very super defined um, meta to it. Now You can do whatever the fuck you want, basically. Yeah, a lot of the times the, the mids are kind of just like this utility core that does whatever or provides a huge amount of damage or sometimes is the one or sometimes is literally just a like third support or second offlaner depending on the game and depending on what the rest of the lineup is and i think that rubik fits that role pretty well so yes if your carry if your carry is like a, a strong hard carry i would say a lot of, a lot of the mids these days are like some some sort of semi carry hero and rubik is he's okay at that but he's more of like donnie so like kind of another offlaner um, probably a little bit better. Well, I don't know. If it, like he's like a beastmaster esque offline. Like he can carry by virtue of having like super effective, uh, you know, stuns and stealing spells and like a utility kind of carry. Like he doesn't really do damage, but he's like still gonna be very effective in the late game. But if you need your mid laner to do damage, then Rubik's not your not your play. But for the most part, like you know, if you have a Sark or Terrorblade, like you don't need any fucking damage. Yeah. Like those heroes do way too much. Like you, you, you really don't. So you can kind of pick what you want for the most part. It just depends. Really, I would say you need to be looking at your carry role because that the it's like the mid and the carry that are kind of interchangeable right now. Yep. Uh, just depending on who benefits more from what. Okay. What is the ideal time to spend on playing Dota in a single day for you guys? Like three or four hours, if I if I really want to play. Any more than that is like getting into binge queue slash excessive territory where I'm not playing because I want to play and I'm not playing because I'm motivated. I'm playing because I'm getting endorphin rushes from the potential of winning MMR. And that's like such a horrible re a reason to play. The reason that I've like, I don't play as many pubs as I, as I have, as I used to. Um, and I think like my, my play, if I were to play in like a competitive team, I I would play significantly better right now and when i have played on a competitive team like recently in the past two to three months my performance and um ability to not choke i guess was was much better and i quit for different reasons like financial reasons because it costs a lot of money to just sit there playing games all day and uh, it's better to just like cast and to make videos and stuff in terms of money but in any case like performance wise because i'm playing less i i didn't have the same issues that i had before on teams um different issues like you'll always have issues on a team of course because you're trying to be competitive but i didn't have the same issues that i had before and i think it's because when you're motivated to play when you when you actually want to play a game you don't risk at all going into like autopilot mode and uh you're, you're much better at learning things quickly you're much better at uh, reacting on the fly in games you're much better at not allowing yourself to get emotional because you actually just really want to play the game like there's a whole shitload of benefits to it I would love to see some scientific study on something like this so I could actually have information to back this up. But I really think that there's a whole lot of cognitive ability in your brain that gets better when you're actually motivated to do something. Um, but once once again, like I said, it's anecdotal for me, so I don't have any like stats for you or anything. I'm sure there is stats out there, but that's why I would say like 
three to four hours. And I would say if you don't like games, you probably couldn't play at all because Dota takes a lot out of you. But I personally really like video games. I really like Dota. So three to four hours for me like works because, uh, you know, anything after that is like I'm going to be burnt out and not actually want to play. Yeah, for me, I can probably get even a little bit more specific. I would say that I can never play more than three games without experiencing a huge... Um, I'm, I'm talking consecutive. I can't play three games in a row without experiencing a huge loss in my ability to win and cognitively make decisions and play at a high level on that fourth game. So never more than three, and most likely one or two at a time. As far as the amount I could play in a day, I mean... I could probably play up to six if I was splitting it up, but generally I only play like one or two games of Dota a day because I have to make videos and do all this other stuff. So that's, I mean, and that's pretty ideal to me. Do you guys have other jobs other than Dota Alchemy? To answer your question, Hanzo, we don't currently make enough money from what we're doing to fully sustain ourselves, which is why both of us are doing casting and freelance and other stuff, and we're, you know, we're just yeah. trying to make it happen, and if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But currently, we really like making Dota videos and talking to you guys and doing all this stuff, and so we're just doing that and seeing what happens. Yeah, basically, it's like it's get it's. I can say it's getting there. It's like I could see it get there, but we're gonna need to keep working for at least you know a few more months before it just barely scrapes us by. Yeah, um, which I is work- great. I. I I love that. I would love to just scrape by with Dota Alchemy. That would be amazing. <laughs> That's perfect for me. I'm I'm good at that. If I could 100% focus on this, that that would be great. But I mean, I currently work another job on the weekends, and both of us are doing casting and, and other stuff as well. So yeah, yep. Um, let's take one more question, and we've been going sure. for about an hour. So, uh, what is a good practice routine for someone in low elo below 1k? Currently, I practice last hitting and training polygon and watch your videos. And if I pick up on anything, I will try to do it in a game. Um. Okay. So below below 1k, it's it's I I would say for the most part below 1k, you just like want to play the game and probably learn learn the heroes, learn the mechanics. Um. I don't know. Do you, do you do you, you you I know you've played on your 1K Smurf and and stuff and and coached a lot of people that are near the the 1K mark. What what would you say? What would you say to that? What do you Um I would say that the most important thing at 1K is to expand your awareness of what is happening at every given time in the game because I think that basically everyone that is actually 1K at the 1K level or below is so focused on just their hero and like moving their hero that they have almost no awareness of even last hits that are near them or clearly anything else on the map they like basically never look at the mini map and so a lot of it is just kind of expanding your awareness and starting to do things faster and i would actually practice stuff like the if you use training polygon i would actually practice the aim challenge which gets you to click on various places on the map mouse accuracy yeah it's basically mouse accuracy like uh there's fps like aim trainers and stuff like that but basically everyone at 1k and below is just really slow at everything they do because they just are taking so long to contemplate or find things so just familiarize yourself with the ui familiarize yourself with shopping i think that's a huge part 
making shopping happen faster, making using the courier happen faster, make checking the minimap and clicking on other people, your teammates and other heroes happen faster. And once you can do that kind of stuff quickly, then you can stop freaking out so much about just always looking at your hero because you're like, oh, my mid needs help. You click on the minimap and you come back and you've already gained that much information to know whether you should TP there or not and you haven't missed any last hits. I personally think that, like, uh, well, um, so I was, I, I've was i been playing Smash recently and uh, I never played Smash before and Mott and my girlfriend Ellie... I've been playing with them, and they're, like, Smash players. And uh, I really sucked at the start, but uh, I got to the point where I was able to beat them, in particular when I'm playing, like, one specific character, I'm able to beat them. So I guess I would say that my advice is the same for Dota, is, like, to make things simple for yourself and just learn the game as a whole. Pick one character you really like and just focus on that until you learn all of the in intricacies of the game and with that character and then expand outward. Um, and that will get you to like higher MMR quicker, which will give you better practice. But basically, whenever you look at like the skill growth of an individual, whenever they first learn something, it's always exponential at the start and then plateau and then like a little, a little bit and then plateau and then a little bit. But, but it slows down. So basically at the start, I would say that like you don't need to do training polygon and stuff like that. You just need to play because your growth should be so fast at the 1K level that there's no – it's already very efficient. For, for, you already learn so much because there's so much you don't know about the game that there's no point in trying to make that efficient. Where you want to make your practice efficient is, um, is when you plateau. So I would say like – you probably just want to play the game, pick one hero, make it as simple as possible for you to like learn learn the um, nuances of the game without overcomplicating with like he heroes and all of these other things, and uh, and just play, just play the game, just keep playing until you really really get it. And if 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 you feel uncomfortable with something, then just keep playing until it's not uncomfortable. You know, it's like, and then once you actually start feeling comfortable and and, and getting everything, then you can start like expanding heroes and learning like this thing that you're not good at for example when i started playing smash like i had no idea how to shield and i still barely shield but like i just didn't bother with it because there were so many other things that i needed to learn that were that were more integral than than like shielding and dodging with the shield and i mean that that's like that's like super basic stuff and yet it was like i i completely ignored it and then i got to the point where i'm you know i'm not a, i'm not like a good smash player or something but I can be, I can beat my girlfriend. I can beat uh, Mott, who I've been playing for like eight years. So it's it's like uh, th that's just the nature of like learning something right at the start. Is that you'll get to the point where you're pretty good, pretty fast, as long as you're not like overcomplicating it for yourself. Yeah. Um, okay. So thank you so much for your questions. Thanks everyone for tuning in.